Well, you guys ready to get in the word this morning? We're talking about how Jesus is your healer. Because we've lived in hundreds of years of, I hate to say this, but from the pulpit we've preached that God heals some and not others, that people today in the church many times don't know that Jesus is their healer. You know, God does not live by a double standard. God doesn't tell us that if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel, you know, which is an unbeliever, someone who doesn't know God, to take care of our families and then him not take care of his family, right? He, if you look at it, and we might look at it because, boy, he jumped all over some of the shepherds of Israel, some of the, the priests, they would be the equivalent of a, of a New Testament pastor today. And one of the things he really got on them for is you didn't take care and heal the sick. And God's saying, so I'm just going to come do it. You know, so this is why as a pastor, you're always going to hear me teach along the lines of healing. And, but you know, here's the thing. A good shepherd takes care of his sheep. Jesus is your healer, and we're going to talk about that, and we don't, we don't back down from that. I've never in all the years uh, that I've been serving the Lord, I've never been able to have anybody come at me with scripture and show me how Jesus has not provided healing for his family, for all that come to him in faith. He's provided it for all, and so Jesus is your healer today. So we're going to talk about that some more. I think this is about the sixth week. There's a wonderful healing anointing. You know, I am so thankful. There's just a wonderful anointing that is upon my life. There's a, a powerful healing anointing on my life. But you know what? I'm not the healer. You should never look to me as your pastor to be your healer. Jesus is the healer. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. So any anointing that is upon your life, that you walk in as ministers, that I walk in, it's all him. So today, as we get in the word of God, look to him, because he is your healer. Amen? So open up, we're, we're talking about, we started last week, uh, you know, I, did, I just didn't even get over to my notes last week, but we started talking this segment about how that you have to live under the light or under the sound of the word of God. And boy, I'll tell you, in 2019, we've been talking about that all the time. You know, the Bible talks about in the parable of the sower, it says that it's those that continue in the word that are good ground, where the word can produce. We, we see that the word of God does all the work. What mends your body? Well, Psalm 107.20 says, he sent his word and healed them so we have to live under the light and under the sound of the word of god this is why we teach the word so strong around here i guess i wouldn't understand what else to do in church but do that because the word is the only thing that can change and transform our life it's the only thing it's it, it's what provides for us it heals our bodies all these things but what's happening is people Christians, children of God, are not living under the light of the Word of God. See, they, they'll live in it, 
for an hour and a half in a church service. And then they will leave and then they won't live under the word. And then they'll come and they might listen to the word a little bit on a TV station or listen to a podcast or something a little bit. But all those other times, they're living under the light of what's going on in their natural life. And they're wondering why the word's not working for them. Well, we're going to talk about that today. So open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Because I'm telling you, there is a life for you. God wants you to live under the light and under the sound of his word. His word has a cumulative effect upon you. The longer you stay under it, the more it works in your life. This is a huge thing. We don't have faith events. We live by faith. We walk by faith, right? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Not by listening to it, by hearing it. We're going to talk about that. There's a big difference between listening and hearing. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Every time I come before the word of God, every time I preach or every time I'm studying, Father, I have ears to hear. My heart is receptive. What that means, what that means is I reverence and I honor and I respect your word above everything else in my life. So now I am ready to do whatever it tells me to do. Or let me get that right. Whatever he tells me to do. Because the word is not an it. The word is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus' eternal word, his eternal name is the word of God. He is the word. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. I just really believe this is going to really help some people. If you'll get hungry, and how do you get hungry? you got to start feeding. The, the more you feed, the hungrier you'll get. The more you choose to set yourself aside to spend time In his word, the more his word will get in you, the more his word will work in your life. See, so many times our faith walk is where we we get in faith for just a moment and the word starts working and then all of a sudden we let that go because we're distracted. Right? So, you know, the, the way... The way that we live, it's, it's Acts 17, 28. It's in Him. Or in other words, we could say this. It's in the Word that we live and that we move and that we have our being. This week, if you'll notice your life, Satan, whether you realize it or not, used people, circumstances, natural things, could be using pain in your body. He'll use everything for one purpose, That's to get your eyes off of God's word and onto your circumstances because it separates you from faith when you're looking at your circumstances and not his word and you can't receive anything that way. Well, those days are over. Amen? Those days are over. We're going to shed light on these things. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says this, My son, attend to my word. That word attend literally means to give my word first place in your life. 
That is step number one. You're not going to get very far in your walk with the Lord if the Word of God is not first place in your life. Now, who do we put first place in our life? You have to literally make a decision about this because you'll always try to put yourself first. Yeah. Right? Now, it's not, it's not your spirit man who's doing that. It's that unredeemed nature that's still in your flesh that's pulling, trying to pull you away. It's that unrenewed mind. But, oh, if you'll just give it first place, give the word first place, everything changes in your life. Which means as I'm walking through life and I'm believing God for something that he says he's already given me, I believe I receive my healing as an example. When my body, when a pain hits my body or I get a report from a doctor, is it, is it a wrong report? No, no, it's a factual report. But we don't live by facts. We live by the truth of the word. And, and although we're thankful for doctors, thank God for doctors, thank God for those reports, but that's not the final report. It's a preliminary report. I already have the final report. By whose stripes I was healed. Does that make sense? The restraint of my prosperity was upon him. He was made poor so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. So that's the final report. Isn't that awesome? So stop looking at the preliminary reports. Keep your eyes on the final report because the word will work in your life. So it says, my son, attend to my words. It says, incline your ear to my sayings. That word, that, that phrase in the Hebrew language literally means, give my word your undivided attention. Undivided. Now you're going to have to choose this for your life. You'll have to choose it. And your flesh doesn't want to do it. But if you'll do it, you will start to live and walk out the Zoe life of God. You'll see as you're living, getting to know him, he's working on your behalf. Or in other words, the word is working and fixing everything else to come in line with what his word says. And it literally causes you to have days of heaven on the earth. That's how it works. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them, let them what? Let my words not depart from your eyes. That means I always will see myself being, having, and doing what the Word says I am, what the Word says I have, what the Word says I can do. Not what my circumstances, not what my situation, not what my past. Does that make sense? Yep. I always see myself, I never let his word depart from my eyes, so I always see him the way he really is. Oh, that's good, Pastor. Come on. Because see, as you peer into him, you're transformed into his image. It says here, keep them, or keep my words, in the midst of your heart. 
See, this statement is telling us this is not talking about a mental exercise. you got to keep them in the midst of your heart. It's not a mental exercise. In other words, allow God's word to impact your spirit. As you live under the light of his word, it impacts your spirit, man. All of a sudden, it, you see light from his word. The Holy Spirit reveals things, and you start to understand and gain revelation knowledge of his word. And then what happens is now your spirit man will communicate that word that he has revelation of to your mind, and it will renovate your thinking, which will transform your life. Does that make sense? Keep God's word in the midst of your heart. Why do we do that? So verse 22 gives us the reason why we do verse 20 and 21. Why do we do that? Verse 22, for they, in other words, for God's words are life unto those, look at this, that find them. So many believers, now I, I can't talk about the denominational circles because we're not in that. Although we all are the body of Christ, I, don't, I no longer go to a Baptist church, so I, I can't speak for them, but I can sure speak for our church. That's right. right? So see, their life to those that find them. Do you know how many people in our circles can quote Mark eleven twenty three, 23? But they don't walk in the benefit of it. They can quote Psalm 1720, but they still have sickness in their body and it's getting worse. Why? Because they're going in and out of the sound and the light of the word. They're, it's not first place. You're gonna have to try, you're gonna have to find it. To find it, it has to be a priority to you. You have to look at the word of God as it really is. It is your source of life. It is everything. You want to guard, I'm only going to be, my, now, now I'm around a lot of people who don't know the Lord. Any chance I get, I'm a walking witness. I'm always ready to pray for people, tell people about the Lord. As a pastor, most of what I do is equipping the saints. But man, when I go to restaurants, when I go to grocery stores, every time I'm walking in, I'm going, okay. Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? I take authority. Satan, this is now the kingdom of God, right? So what do you want me to do here? Why is that? Because we're light in the world. But in my own personal life, I am not going to have people in my inner, inner circle who are not living and walking by faith. Why? I can't afford that. I'm going to walk. How can two people walk together unless they be agreed? Right Now, be careful because you'll love that, and, but we don't want to become a club. Right? So, so I got to tell you, this is all about bearing fruit. You're not here to just live this blessed life. You're here to live a blessed life, let's get it right, so that you can be a blessing. Right? so that you can go bear all your fruit in, this, in your season. There are people right now who should be here, born again, 
growing in the Lord that aren't here yet because you haven't rubbed up against them enough. So we want to be conscious of that, but we need to look at our life and go, is everything about my life putting me in a position to do this? To, to be able to put his word first place, give it my undivided attention, always keep it before my eyes, keep it in the midst of my heart so that I can find it. Because God's words are life to those that find them. And look at this. And health to what? All of their flesh. See, God's words are health to all of your flesh. You're hearing the word today. Receive that. You're receiving medicine right now. Right now, it's coming out of my mouth, but what's happening is down on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit, if you're hungry, will bring revelation knowledge, and it'll go from my mouth out of the Holy Spirit's mouth inside of you, and he'll bring revelation of it, and now you can hear it, understand it, and it'll a healing power, that medicine of the word will come out of your spirit, man, and permeate through every cell of your body. You know, there's another scripture. We might look at it. It's Romans 8, 11. We might look at that later on, but it tells us exactly how that happens. The whole word of God is health to your flesh. Why? Because Jesus, who is the word of God, is your healer. Isn't that good news? Man, I don't have to be sick anymore. Or like the song says from the 70s, right? I don't have to be sick no more. I don't have to be poor no more, right? Why? Because I'm anything? No, because he's everything. The whole word of God, never forget this, it has a quickening and cumulative effect on you. It has a quickening and cumulative effect on your body. Not just on your spirit. It has a quickening and cumulative effect on your body. If you live under the word of it, under the light of it, under the sound of it, it will change your physical body. In the same way, it'll change everything about your life. It'll bring everything that is God's will. It's what literally causes you to see and be able to grab things off that table that's prepared before you. Everything the enemy will come against me physically on all the healings on that table? Do you know that all the money that I'll ever need to do everything that God's called me to do is on that table? All the peace, all the joy, everything, all the strength, and it's on your table because he's no respecter of persons. See, the whole word of God, it has a quickening and cumulative effect on your body. Why? Why does it do that? Because you cannot separate God from his word. That's why. Where his word is, there he is. Isn't that good news? When you are in the quietness of your bed at night, and you're sitting there, and the enemy is trying to throw thoughts and bring... Have you ever noticed that sometimes sickness or pain gets worse at night? And right while you're in your bed, you can just be like, Jesus, you're my healer. 
by your stripes I'm healed. And guess what happens to all that nonsense of the enemy? It's gone. He can't stay. Darkness cannot stay where light is. See, this passage of Scripture literally explains what healing is about. This is a healing Scripture. You've got to put it first. You have to give it your undivided attention. Right? You have to always keep it before your eyes. You have to keep the Word in the midst of your heart because it's health and life to your flesh. So important. So now let's jump over, talking about his word, jump over to John chapter 6 in verse 63. Hallelujah. I know you've heard me teach on these verses before. All I could tell you is, man, you're going to hear it again. But the only difference is you're going to hear it under a deeper and greater anointing because I'm going to grow in it, you're growing in it, and it'll always be fresh. If it's not fresh, then look at yourself and say, man, I need to, I need to put the word first so it's fresh. John 6, 63. It says, it is the spirit that quickens. This word quickens means to make alive. It's the spirit that makes alive. It's the spirit. This word, Greek word means that restores to health. It's the spirit that restores to life. Another meaning of this word, it is, it is the spirit that heals. Right? It is the spirit that heals. In other words, spiritual things bring a quickening power. When you walk around saying, Father, I thank you that I am redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease because Christ was made a curse for me, that brings the healing power of God in his presence right on the scene and it comes right out of your spirit to affect your body. Every time. So we need to live under the sound and light of it. It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh, what is it talking about? The actions and deeds of the flesh. What is it talking about? Anything that you do on your own to try to make your way to God, it profits nothing. The actions and deeds of your flesh profit nothing. Anything that you're trying to do to be accepted by God on your own, it profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing, but the spirit quickens, heals, restores, and makes whole. Jesus said this, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit, and they are life. Now, just not, now that, if he didn't say they are the Greek word suke, natural life. No, they are zoe, the God kind of life. God's words have within them his life and its health and its medicine. Jesus is the word of God. 
God's words are spirit and they are life. Proverbs 4 says they are life and they are health. So we learn as we read the word of God that God's words are what? Their spirit, their life, and their health. Never be able to separate that. God is telling us that his quickening or his healing power is through the spirit. It's not natural. Does that make sense? The he, in other words, you could say this, the healing power of God is spiritual. Okay? Everybody goes, absolutely. Yeah, Pastor, why are, why are you wasting our time? That's, a, that's that, we got that. Really? Hmm. So then why are we comparing healing to medicine? To surgical procedures. Why do we even fight all this? Should I take medicine? Should I go to the doctor? Man, if you're asking that question, you need to go and go to an Emergicare today. Actually, forget that. You probably need to see Dr. Randa or we're one of the doctors here. Because, right? But don't mix it. A doctor could give you medicine that could help you. A doctor or a surgeon can take some stuff out, put some stuff in, fix some stuff, but you're still going to need healing. Don't mix it. Jesus is your healer. So don't feel like a second-rate word of faith person if you have to have a surgical procedure. Be led by the Spirit of God. Now, is a surgical procedure, is it, is it divine healing? No. Nope, divine healing is no surgical procedure. Or divine healing could be a supernatural recovery from a surgical procedure. Right? Why do you have to talk about this? Because if you don't live under the light and sound of the word of God, this will get very confusing. Yeah, but when do I stop taking the medicine? Or what do I... Don't worry about any of that. You keep living under the light of God's word and it'll all work out. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that leads you into all the truth. God wants you, the Bible says, that the blessing of Abraham does what? Or the blessing, let's just go beyond that. The blessing of God maketh rich. That means a full and overflowing supply. The blessing of Abraham that is upon the children of God, it is literally to bless them, to make them rich, have a full and a, an overflowing supply so that their influence in the earth is increased so that they can be a blessing. So how do you get there, though? The Holy Spirit leads you into it. Do you know in this church sitting here right now, it'll be fun to see if the Lord tarries Five years ago, five years from now, what you're doing. There might be new businesses. There might be an invention where somebody's sitting here and they're struggling to meet their rent in their apartment. And in five years from now, they're buying houses for other people because God gave them an idea and led them into something 
that all of a sudden there's an income stream that just made them rich instantly. Right? I mean, just an idea. There's people sitting here that might have a terminal diagnosis that a year from now you'll be in vibrant health and there'll be no... Who leads you into that? What do I do? You live under the light of the word. Doesn't it say in Psalm 119, verse 130, that his word is a lamp to your feet, tells you right where you are, and it is a light to your path. It tells you where to go. So stay in the light. Right? Because see, people will say, well, now wait a minute. If Jesus is my shepherd, why am I lacking? Because you're not following him. Man, you should be following him so close that if he ever stopped, you'd run into him. You'd have to say, oh, sorry, Lord. Right? In Psalm 23, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know why a shepherd's rod and his staff comforts a sheep? Because there's lions out there, there's wolves out there, there's bears out there, and they want to have lamb for lunch. Right? So here comes this, this, here comes this wolf, and man, that little sheep is right next to the shepherd going, ha ha, you can't get me. Don't even come close, because he's got this rod. And he has this ability to whip that rod and hit that, that wolf in the nose in such a way that it changes his mind about lamb. Right? Or if the sheep falls somewhere, that, that shepherd is really good at taking that hook on that, on that rod and pulling them back up, getting them, sa- getting them back to safety. But what's happening in the church today is Jesus is going, and I, but I want to do my own thing. So I'm over here. I'm, I'm in places. See, if you're saying, if you're, if you're kind of taunting the lion, you know, you better stay close to the shepherd because if you get away from that shepherd, that lion will eat you. But you don't have to get away from the shepherd, do you? How, who is the shepherd? It's the word. See, we stay close. Now, here's the good news. If you get away, or if you're sitting here today and go, oh, man, wow, I'm away, then just... Just change your mind. Because here's the thing. The word says the minute you draw near to God, he draws near to you. So the minute, here you are, you're off. You're off, you think, 400 miles away from your shepherd. And you come to yourself and go, shoot. And you go, I'm going to get close to my shepherd. The minute you turn to him, guess what? He's right there. Satan will tell you you're so far away from the perfect will of God, you are so close. You're one, you're one decision away. Can it be that simple? Oh, yeah, it's that simple. It's that simple. So let's keep going with this. Healing power of God, it's spiritual, so don't compare natural things to spiritual things. The more you live under the light and sound of the word, the more results that you'll receive from the word. 
you got to keep watering. See, it's so ridiculous in the church today that Jesus, the great shepherd, has a hard time getting his sheep to even coming to church. I mean, do you know how many Christians don't go to church? Now, but they say, well, you know, Kenneth Copeland's my pastor. I watch, I, I, I have church, I have home church. Okay. All right. Good luck with that. Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because, see, people who do the home church thing, have you ever really noticed? There's nobody full of the word in those circles. And their life never goes anywhere. Yeah, but you know, I've been so, I've been so hurt at church. Okay, so I want you to lift up your hand today. I don't think there's anybody here. Is there anybody here who has never been hurt at a church? I mean, I can't raise my hand. Now, don't raise your hand on this one. Is there anybody here who's hurt somebody else in your church? Right? So can we get over the fact? See, get planted. Just follow him. Where do I get planted? I don't know. I can't even tell you. I think this is the greatest church in the world. But if I didn't, you wouldn't be here because why would you be here, right? I mean, it's like, could you imagine if I got up and said, you know, guys, wow, sorry, this is, I just really don't feel like preaching today. I hear pastors talk like that. I, sometimes I just don't feel like going to church. You feel like putting out an, an email blast in their church. Run. Run and pray for that guy or that lady, what, right? Whatever. No, no, no. No, wherever. God will lead you. Now, can I tell you where to go? No. I can't. Can your best friend tell you where to go to church? No. Nope. Because you have to work out your own salvation. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd. Amen? Hallelujah. I, I, let me just move on. Because, you know, I'm not, I'm not meaning to meddle. And to be honest with you, it's, I don't think I am meddling. Because the word is spirit, life, and health, it has a quickening and cumulative effect. So let's look at that scripture that I was talking about. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans 8, 11. Here's how it works. Man, I'll tell you, when I'm believing God for physical healing, for things in my life that I deal with, this is a major scripture. I thank the Lord for it all the time. There's been times where I've been in excruciating pain. I remember one time, you know, for a nine-month period of time in the second year of our church, uh, my back, I'm sure you remember that, my back, I was shaped like a hockey stick like this. I don't know. I had extreme pain going down my back or down my leg, exploding in my calf. I, it, one time, my wife and family had left for church, and I was down in the basement, which was my office at the time, and uh, I couldn't get out of the chair. So I literally had to pull myself up the stairs in excruciating pain, saying, oh, Father, I thank you that your spirit's 
He's quickening and restoring my body to health. I mean, tears coming down my eyes. I drive to Elkhorn Ridge Middle School, and I get out of my car. I mean, which getting in my car was hilarious because you didn't just back, you know, sit down. I had to crawl in front ways, and then kind of an excruciating, for nine months I did this, quoting Romans 8, 11. Then I got out of the car, and I was like this, and literally, I was, I was making my way. I, I shut the door, and I was holding my car. And finally, I was halfway up, and, and I went through this door at Elk, Elkhorn Ridge Middle School. You went through one door, and then you'd go into another door that was a door to the cafeteria. And so I, I opened that door, and, and, I, and I'm in excruciating pain. And I opened the other door, and our worship team was practicing. And as soon as I opened the other door, it was like... And it just, it was just gone. All the pain was gone. Sometimes I'd have to preach sitting down, but I would preach it. But if the spirit of him that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you, well, he does if you're born again, right? Look at what it says. He that raised up Christ from the dead, I mean, think about it, with the same power that rose Jesus from the dead shall what? shall quicken, that means to heal, restore, and make whole your mortal body. How? By his spirit that dwells in you. So right now, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and he's ready. You keep that switch of faith turned on. He's watching over his word to perform it. Well, how does he see his word? When it is coming out of your heart, out of your mouth. When it comes out of your mouth, that healing power starts permeating through your body. And it'll heal and restore and make whole. It's a cumulative and quickening effect. So many times in the ministry of Jesus, it's the Greek word aeomai, for healing. It means to doctor or to cure. That Greek word, promote, it's, it literally is a progressive healing. They were healed as they went. Some were healed instantly. Others were healed as they went. Doesn't matter. When you believe you receive your healing, guess what? You have it now. Well, I can't see it or feel it. Don't worry about that. I have salvation. Do you have salvation today? Yes. Can you feel it? No. Maybe not. Right? Guess who tells you you're saved? The Spirit bears witness with your spirit, right? It's amazing how that works together. He quickens your mortal body by his spirit. The word of God works every time. Every time. See, so many times in our society, we're so trained. Emily really helped me last week when we talked about that guy, Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr., right? Because we're right, remember that, Emily? I mean, we couldn't have practiced that any worse or any better than that. And it was awesome. We're used to looking at people. We do the same thing in the church. Look to Jesus. I love and honor and respect some incredible gifts in the body of Christ, but I'm always looking to Jesus. When, you know, I draw from a lot of wonderful men and women of God. But I draw, I'm not, I'm drawing from the gift inside of them, but I'm drawing from Jesus. 
He's always the one. Never forget that. So in other words, when you come to understand that the word of God is the power of God to heal, not the minister's ability to teach, not the minister's ability to operate in a special anointing, then you can receive your healing every time. Why do gifts of healings and workings of miracles not happen inside the walls of our services as much? Well, God sent his word. God wants you to draw from his word. You should never need a gift of healing. That, that's going to operate out there with unbelievers a lot more. But you can receive from him every time from his word. Now I'll tell you, we'll see miracles. We'll see all that in our services too. When? As we all make a decision to live under the light of the word. All of a sudden, I mean, if you notice, the hunger level in our church is just growing. I'm telling you, see, we're not waiting on God to move. He's waiting on us. Right? Jesus always works with his word. In Mark 16, 20, right before he went back to heaven, what did he say? He literally said, and they went forth, every one of them. And Jesus worked with and confirmed his word with signs following. See, I, I love this. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. No, the word them is not in the original manuscripts. Jesus doesn't work with me, I flow with him. But as I flow with him, he works with and confirms his word and causes signs to follow. I expect signs to follow. Right? I expect it always. He works with his word. Remember, Jesus is the word, right? Hallelujah. I want to I kind of go through something, and I want you to see, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures to you, but I want to see, I want you to see in the ministry of Jesus an example of this happening in his ministry of how the people that received from him literally were sitting under his word over a period of time. So turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew. Hallelujah. Matthew, we're going to, well, actually, just get, get ready. Go to Matthew, the end of chapter 7 right now. And I'm just going to kind of give you an overview. So many times we get into this chapter and verse thing and we read the, the Word of God just to put our time card in. Okay, i got to read my chapter. And we, 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 we read it as all these little chapters, like they're all different. But if you ever take an aerial view and you see how it flows, you'll see some principles. Living under the light of the word, you have to see this. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount. So he's speaking to a bunch of people. I've been on that mountain. I've actually taught where he taught that sermon. It's really a cool place in Israel. Matthew chapter 7 ends the Sermon on the Mount. So, so follow with me now. In Matthew 7, verse 28 and 29, it says this. Now this would be at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, 
the people were astonished at his doctrine. This is one of the most misunderstood verses, these two verses. It's hilarious. Notice they were not astonished at him. They were astonished at his doctrine. Verse 29, For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. And we read that because the King James says, and not as, or as, as one having authority. But if you, if you dig a little bit, you find out that word one, right before the word having, is not in the original manuscripts. If you read Young's literal translation, it brings it out. So it should read, for he taught them as having authority, not as the scribes. See, we always, we have this mentality that Jesus was teaching them that he had authority. But that's not what this scripture says. Jesus was actually teaching them that they had authority. That's why they were not astonished at him. They were astonished at his doctrine. They had, they had authority under the Abrahamic covenant. Interesting. You guys are all going, hmm. Just, just hang with me. They were astonished with his doctrine. Jesus was teaching them that God had given them authority. The people were absolutely astonished at this because the scribes never taught this way. It was all about the scribes. And when a scribe would teach... They, they were like politicians. They were like many seminary graduates. Well, what do you believe about this scripture? Well, you know, Rabbi so-and-so believes that it says this. But Rabbi so-and-so over here believes that it says this. And by the time they get done, it's like reading a commentary. You go, oh my gosh, this person has no idea what he believes. But Jesus never taught that way. It was black and white. It was literally, this is the way it is. There's no gray area. Interesting, right? So then, Matthew chapter 8 now. Let's look at this. Keep following. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. So they were astonished up on the mountain. They heard this, chapters 5, 6, 7. Now in 8... He's coming down from the mountain, and now they're following great multitudes. These people had just heard the Sermon on the Mount. I wonder if it includes healing. It had to have. There has to be other things, because they all followed him. And then in, in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus, verses 2 through 4, Jesus heals the leper. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The only time in the ministry of Jesus, out of all the 19 individual cases of healing, it's the only time where somebody came to him and said, if you will, I know you can. In other words, Lord, is it your will? 
the only time. It's the only time that God saw fit to record the answer to that question. Is it my will to heal? And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. How in the world did we get a doctrine that says sometimes I will and sometimes I won't? There's not one example of that. I will be clean. Be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleaned, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no man, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So Jesus heals a leper. Verse 5. In verses 5 through 10, really it's verse 5 through verse 13, we're going to read verses 5 through 10 and then skip to verse 13. Jesus heals the centurion servant. This is right after the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies sick with the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. In, in the Young's literal translation, it brings out the literal Greek. It would read like this, And Jesus said unto him, I, having come, will heal him. I, having come, the implication is, I, having come from heaven, I, having come from my Father, will heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now think about it. Jesus wasn't called to this centurion. This guy was a Roman. He had no covenant with God, but he came in faith, which forever shows that faith supersedes the law in the Old Testament. You could see that all through the Old Testament. God's always moved by faith. And he says this, But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does this. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to them that followed, there, now, now think about who he's saying this to. To, to, so now to this multitude of people, but guess who are standing right there? The 12, right? So he says this, look at this, I have not found, could you imagine being one of the 12, one of Jesus' inner circle? I have not found so great faith, but then he gave him a break. He said, no, not in all of Israel. In other words, he, he, the whole Jewish race He's like, I've not seen faith like this. The key to the centurion's faith, having great faith, was his understanding of authority. See, we as believers have to know the extent and limit of our authority. I have unlimited authority in my life. Verse 13, and Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed from that selfsame hour. So now Jesus leaves this and he goes and he heals Peter's mother-in-law right after this. Verse 14 and 15 of, of Matthew chapter 8. 
And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Then, right after this event, what happens in verse 16 and 17, we get the Holy Spirit's commentary on Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. In, in verse 16 of chapter 8, Jesus now heals all who were sick to show the meaning of Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. He heals, notice, he, notice that no one is left out. He wanted to make sure that everybody knows that nobody is left out. It says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Why? That it might be fulfilled. This is a little vague in English. In the Greek language, it, it should read like this, that, that the fulfilling could begin. That's the literal Greek. That, it, that the fulfilling could begin, which was spoken by Esaias. Well, you're like, but pastor, that's Esaias. Who is Esaias? Well, that's the Greek rendering of the name Isaiah. That the fulfilling could begin, or that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This word infirmities, it says, now, now notice it's saying what's going to happen. Jesus is literally speaking ahead of time what he's going to do on the cross. How could he do that? Well, because the Bible says he was crucified before the foundation of the world. Yeah. The fact that Jesus showed up on the scene, it's a done deal already. Right. But it, it says himself took our infirmities. That word infirmities mean himself took, you could personalize it, himself took my sickness. Himself took my disease. Same word. Himself took my weakness. Himself took my feebleness. And bore our sicknesses. Himself. Well, well we know from reading the Old Testament under the light of New Testament, that all of our sin, our sin nature, all sickness and disease, all poverty and lack, all the results of the curse of the law was put on Jesus on the cross. In other words, if you have symptoms in your body today, the Word of God is telling you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus took it. He, he bore it so you don't have to bear it. Satan doesn't want you to know that. And here's what everybody does. Everybody, now, now remember, this is God's word. It's spirit. It's not natural. It's not subject to change. It's forever settled in heaven. But what will people do? Starting with us. Why am I not healed? I believe God, and I still don't see it in my body. 
and we let go of it because we don't see it. Your experience or, or my experience or, or your lack of experience has nothing to do with whether God's word is true or not. It says in the word of God that it's God's will that everybody be saved. Does everybody get saved? No. People have died, and they're in the center of the earth right now in hell. Not because God sent them there, they chose to go there. But people say, but it couldn't be true that God healed everybody because I have relatives, I have maybe my children, maybe my husband, maybe my wife died of sickness and disease and they love God with all their heart. And they get mad when you preach that. But if you tried to say, well, come up here at the end of the service if there's somebody here who wants to accept the Lord and you came up here and I were to say, okay, so we're going to pray and, and we're going to just really pray and we're just going to ask God if it be his will that he would heal you. There'd be an uproar in our service. You guys would be like, that's ridiculous. Of course, if you come to him, you'd be saved. Well, why do we believe that? But we don't believe that God will prosper us or God will heal us. It's because we've been listening to nonsense for about 300 plus years. You've got to be careful what you hear. But the word will root it all out. But you've got to live under the, the light of it. So now in verse 13 of chapter 14 of Matthew, it says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. When Jesus heard of it, what did Jesus hear? When Jesus heard that John the Baptist was, was beheaded, he departed into the desert, but the people heard that he was going to the desert, so they followed him. Why were they following him? They came to hear, the Bible says, and be healed. They had this, they, want, they knew, they just wanted to stay under the sound and the light of his word. See, you're going to see this great awakening in the church this great revival is going to be one where people hunger and thirst after the word. It's not going to be like it is right now. And, and believe me, I believe we're at the beginning stages of it. So you're going to see, I mean, we're already seeing it in our church. The, the hunger level in, in a lot of you is off the chart. This is not a religion to you. You live. You're like, I just want to sit under the light of the word of God. Talk to Pastor Edwin. Get around him for three seconds and you know that's part of his life. Yep. Right? And we could go right down. I mean, I could go right down the list. There's so many. They must have heard something of Jesus to follow him. They must have heard something. Verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and healed their sick. This is another example of people who sat under the light and under the sound of God's word, they were the ones that were healed. Verse 15 through verse 20 of Matthew 14, then Jesus feeds 5,000 men, 
plus the women and children. We have that great miracle. Then if you go to the end of chapter 14 and verse 34 through verse 36, it says this, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. So this is a, Jesus had been there earlier, and remember the guy in the tombs who he, he delivered from all those demons? What was it, like 6,000 demons? And, and, and he wanted to come with Jesus, and Jesus says, no, you go tell, tell people what, what, what I've done for you, or what God's done for you. So now he's coming back to this area. So this guy, see, found people find people. People who've been set free want to set others free. So this guy is going and telling everybody, man, I was, this is who I was, and this is who I am today, and, and Jesus is the one. So now, here we go. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, could you imagine? Hey, Jesus is here. You know, Jesus, that guy who laid hands or commanded and all those demons went out of that guy. Remember how he was talking about that? So these guys hear about this, and what did they do? These men that heard sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. There must have been more about what this guy said than just being delivered from demons. It had to include healing. They brought unto him all in the whole region. Now, now if you're full of disease and somebody comes to you and says, hey, God's healing people, what do you hear? Well... I'm really hurt and I can't come. Right? But they must have heard something so profound that all these people hurting, sick, of all kinds were going, yeah, take me. I can't walk, but can you carry me? Please, just get me to him. Isn't this, do you see this? And they besought him, look at this, they brought unto him all that were diseased and they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. So they must have heard, maybe of the woman with the issue of blood. Who knows? But all these diseased people, see we read this and we think the men went to Jesus. Hey Jesus, can you let the people touch the hem of your garment so they could be healed? No, 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 no. No, the diseased people begged him can we just, listen, we won't bother you. You could keep preaching, but can I just, can I just touch the hem of your garment? Do you see this? You, this doesn't happen unless you're sitting under the sound of God's word. Why do people sit in church today looking, oh man, you know, now I think it's down to, you know, you got to preach for like, 15 minutes, and they sit there. I can't go to that church, man. That, that service, it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Sometimes it hits two hours, two whole hours. And then they go home and they watch the Miami Dolphins play football for three hours. Are you kidding me? 
That's not even football, yeah. I mean, <laughs> right? Now, I'm glad no Miami Dolphin linebackers come to our church today, okay? I'd be running, right? No, I'd be staying by my shepherd. Hey, you got to go through him to get to me, right? But, or we'll watch a bad movie. Have you ever started a movie? It's so bad. And you sit there for two hours and watch it. But church, I can't do it. I just can't. No, no, keep sitting, keep feeding, and you'll be like, you'll, you'll be like Teresa. Prove it. Stay for three hours. I'm here. I've got my notebook. Right? You'll get hungry. You'll get crazy hungry for him. Why? Because he's irresistible. And they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Hang with me. I'm almost done. I, I can't preach Wednesday night, so i got to get it all out to it. <laughs> Chapter 15, verse 29. Chapter 15, right after this, verse 29. And when Jesus departed from there, he came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee, went up to, unto a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, that's missing body parts. Wow, that's pretty good. And many others. And cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole. They saw it. The lame to walk the blind to see, and they glorified Jesus. No, they didn't, did they? They glorified the God of Israel. Now, I love this scripture. Before I leave this earth, I believe very soon, because Jesus said greater works are we going to do. Can you imagine when they start bringing people who have missing body parts, can't speak, can't see, and they all get healed. It's not going to be, oh, you need to go to Faith Family Church because the anointing on Pastor Tony. No. People will be like, I don't even care who the pastor is here. God's healing people. Because it's not about us. I can't stress that enough. In your life, touch him and you'll be made whole. As a matter of fact, if you're born again, you've already touched him. Yeah. He's already made you whole. Right. Now look at this. When did this happen? Jesus now has come back to the side of the Sea of Galilee that he first left. Jesus is now back to the area where he taught the Sermon on the Mount. See, if you don't study this, you won't know this. They must have heard of Jesus healing the sick to bring the sick to him. Look at verse 32 of Matthew 15. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue now with me three days. What? You're only willing to listen to me for three hours? <laughs> they came and they sat 
from morning till night, slept outside, woke up, listened to him from morning till night, went to bed, listened to him from, like right, right now you're probably hungry. I'm going so much longer than I thought I would, but I'm going just as long as the Holy Spirit wants me to. But I got to tell you, no food, three days, they were, they were hungry. Wow. They have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. See, the people were under the light and the sound of the word for three days. Verse 32 through verse 38, Jesus feeds 4,000 men, women and children. In other words, over and over and over again, you see miracles and healings taking place in people that had sat under the word of God. See, the problem today is we're trying to fit God into our schedules. I mean, Leanne, you did such a great job in the announcements, but it's ridiculous that we've got to tell people, hey, it's Christmas season. You know, I know you're busy, but try to come to church. We are the church. Right? Oh, I can't come to church, you know, because these 25... Uh, people in my family that I love so very much and I've been believing God that they'll be saved, they just have to, they have, to have Christmas at 12 o'clock or, or at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And so I'm going to skip church to be with them and what you're doing is you're witnessing to them that God's not important to you. And you wonder why they don't get saved. I could feel, I can't believe he just said that. Oh, I said it. I said it, because these days are over, guys. You get hungry for God and follow God. Am I saying, am I saying this so that you'll come to church? Listen, I, Jeanette and I learned long ago, this is the easiest church to come to. It's the easiest church to leave. If you're not here, we, we pray for you, but we never, this is not a church that you have to come to. We just pray when you come, you come hungry and you get all that God has for you. Right? It's, it's, I, it's just the way it is. But God is literally telling people, we're trying to fit God into our schedules. People want an instant fix. Listen, I'm coming to church. I've been here three Sundays in a row. Heal my body. And can you hurry? Because I got an appointment at 1230. Right? God's word will never fail you. But it's our decision to stay under the word so that the word of God can work. This will always be a place of healing. People use faith and healing as if it's a spare tire to be used as needed. Now, don't you got to get this point before you leave. Don't use the subject of faith and healing as a spare tire only when you get sick. Make scriptures on faith and healing a part of your daily life. You live under it because Divine healing is not what God really wants for you ultimately. He wants you to go past sickness and disease, lay hold of your healing and walk in divine healing, but then he wants you to go past that and walk in divine life where you're not putting up with anything. 